0: This week, the XFL is back. Marshall Ferguson, from the Canadian football perspective, drops by to talk, uh, well, some XFL and all things CFL. We get to know our new Argos wide receiver, Juwan Breskison, and we celebrate the life of Chris Schultz. It's the Argos Fancast. You can find us at Argos Fancast, and anywhere you find your friendly neighbourhood podcast, just search Argos Fancast i'm clay chisholm you can find me at all kinds of clay and joining us as always our resident historian from argofans.com the vp of football operations will gertler mba
1: hi everybody you can find me on twitter at argofans or join www.argofans.com
0: and from the double blue border. Sir douglas of house ballinger second of his name lord of section 116 warden of the south side and protector of the
2: realm come on the angels <laughs> sorry oh wait i forgot i'm on the cast wrong show you can find me personally at doug 519 on twitter you can and then my group, the Double Blue Order. You can find them on Facebook at facebook.com/slash Double Blue Order, on Twitter at Double Blue Order, and on Instagram at the Double Blue Order.
0: Well, we're going to start off the show um, with the life of former Toronto Argonaut, former Dallas Cowboy, former CFL on TSN panel member and former color commentator for the Argos radio broadcast, Chris Schultz. Chris Schultz passed away suddenly on March 4th due to a heart attack at the age of 61. Chris Schultz, as we mentioned, has been a part of the Canadian football scene for decades. And when you looked at all the the celebration of life that people have put out there for Chris Schultz he was truly a man loved by just about everybody a big man with an even bigger heart
1: yeah and I to be completely honest I didn't appreciate I guess until now the impact that he did have on people
0: yeah. From what I've heard, it just sounds like that was, you know, he did not want to have the impact on people made public. It, what, that's wasn't what he was looking for. He wanted to further at, you know, all possibilities, the good that Canadian football does for people. And I think he achieved that. And I, I wish we could do more of the celebration of life when people are still alive so they can, you know, really appreciate how much they were loved. You know, for me, I I remember watching Chris Schultz play for the Argos. And, you know, then I, you didn't hear from a lot. I know he, he started out at uh, at the fan as a correspondent for them back in, I believe, it was 1998. Um, And then we really got to know him as a CFL on TSN analyst. And I think that's what a lot of people are going to remember him for, um, at least people who never actually had any physical interaction with him.
1: Right, and that, and then that's how that's how I will remember him. I I probably saw games he was playing in, but I don't really remember them. But you know, I'll remember him on the panel with Donigan, Jock, and I guess it was Dave Randorf doing the hosting duties at that time. Um, but you know, a true student of the game, and uh, everybody everybody talks about the. Uh, The handshake, you know, from the first time that they got to meet him. Yeah,
0: Yeah. that that's I've heard that as well. But it's six foot seven, three hundred ten pounds. You know, they the guy had a massive, massive hand.
1: So, Chris Schultz started out at the University of Arizona. And then he uh, was subsequently drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. And, uh, that was back when, uh, Tom Landry was still the coach of the Cowboys. And he actually did start, uh, the 1985 season. And, uh, that was sort of at the tail end of Dallas's, uh, dynasty, at least their first dynasty period. And, uh, the Argos had acquired his rights in a draft in the 1982 CFL draft and they finally signed him in time for the uh, midway through the 1986 season and he was the Argos starting left tackle until the end of the 1994 season. He was a two-time CFL All-Star in 1987 and 1988. He was an Eastern All-Star in 87, 88, and 91. He Was a member of the 1991 Grey Cup team, which it's the 30th anniversary of that this year. And back in, uh, I believe in 2007, when the Argos released that all-time team, he was uh, the starting left tackle. And uh, when they TSN did their uh, all-time team list back in the summer, he was uh, the Argos' uh,
2: all-time tackle. One thing I have to say about Chris Schultz is that he made he made people who didn't know didn't know the game of football or people who were kind of kind of a novice at it, like myself in my youth watching watching him or not. Well, when when I was really starting to get into this into CFL football, he kind of broke it down. Like he had a way of doing it. Like when he was on the panel and he was, he was an amazing, he was amazing for doing that. Absolutely amazing. He made, he made me feel like he made kind of turned me away from being just a dum dum to actually, Oh, okay. So that's how I, Oh, okay. That's really interesting. I didn't, I didn't look at it like that before he was, he was, he was great at doing that. And he had a way of explaining
0: things simply to you without talking down to you you know a lot of times when people try and break things down so that everybody can understand it almost sounds like they're talking down to you he never sounded like that you know the only um personal interaction i have had with chris schultz was uh when i actually ran into him at Uh, mohawk raceway one night and i was uh I, i i shook his hand and yes my hand did feel like a small child's hand in uh when he shook my hand um but the other thing that and i don't know what prompted me at that point i had a little fangirl moment i was there with my newborn son and the only thing that I could think of was I need to get a picture of Chris Schultz holding my son. And he just stood there looking very confused. And he, and he asked me, he's like, well, what if I fumble him? I'm like, don't worry. You're not going to do it. I took the picture and I think he walked away just as confused as I am now as to why I thought that was the great idea, but he indulged me and, you know, and every and you know he was just gr- very gracious about it even though he probably thought what the hell is this guy thinking but yeah that that was that was my only interaction with the man uh directly and i i can still remember now the look on his face that i didn't quite get then but i get it now he thought i was a little bit crazy but still he posed for the picture with my with my infant son so my son who probably will well will not remember that but mm-hmm. my oldest son has officially met chris schultz
1: and the other thing we go back to uh, sort of the on the field stuff the offensive line that he was a part of sort of in the late 80s, early 90s is, I think, the one that a lot of Argo fans are going to remember. It was Chris Schultz, Dan Ferroni, Ian Beckstead, Randy Ambrose or, you know, Jim Kardashian or Bob Skemp and uh, Calvin Prunster. And, uh, you know, if you only look, you know, that, that unit as a whole... The Argos were averaging 40 points a game in the early 90s. And if you watch a lot of the old uh, tape, you know, watching Ricky Foggy or Matt Dunnigan in the pocket, they have all this time to th- find their open receiver and throw the
2: ball. And let's not forget how much of a champion he was for the Tackle Hunger Program.
1: Right. I,
2: I,
0: I don't think they could have asked for anybody better to do that. From uh, the stories I've heard, he 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 initially channeled his inner John Candy uh, whenever they had uh, Purolator, Purolator tackle for Hunger Games. Uh, so in every city, he flat out said, OK, get me on every media outlet possible to talk about this. Anybody that would have him, he would go and champion that cause, and he would do it just relentlessly and selflessly. Chris Schultz, you will be remembered. You left us too young, and thank you for everything you've done. On the heels of that, we're going to bring in a man who well, is you know, possibly the, the future of championing, champion Canadian football in this country, Marshall Ferguson, from the Canadian football perspective. Uh, joining us from the Canadian football perspective and the CFL, Marshall Ferguson, welcome back to the FanCast.
3: Thanks, guys. It's, uh, it's been too long. It's nice to reconnect with you all, albeit now I get the, uh, the introduction of Guy with New Thing, not Guy with Old Thing that I used to, uh, to join you guys with, unfortunately. But that's okay. That's life. It's all good.
0: Well, you know, we, we kind of, if you listen back to the show when we, when we post it, you can see we kind of introed you a little bit beforehand as the, the next Chris Schultz.
3: <laughs> yeah, so the no, next
0: I, man that's gonna champion uh, Canadian football in this country.
3: It's uh that's a hell of a mantle to live up to, that's for sure. I it was it was amazing, um, going back and hearing stories from people and talking about Chris Schultz over the last week or so and I'm sure that you guys experienced it the same way where we got an opportunity, I think, to as much as you thought you knew him, you learned some things that you didn't necessarily know by stories from other people that had a chance to interact with them that Maybe you didn't have a chance to have those same interactions and all the rest. And he was uh, someone who was so important to playing that role of Canadian football, meaning something at all levels. So if I get one tenth close to what he was able to do in the way that he excited people by walking into the room that loved Canadian football, I'll have done something very, very right. So fingers crossed I get there. That's for sure.
0: (laughs) All right. Now, you know, we want to talk about your your. You know, not necessarily new venture because apparently you've been doing this since uh, 2019, but you're now really focused on it. But before that, we had some kind of big news that uh, landed in all of our laps and that's probably kept you pretty busy today. Um, the XFL and the CFL are are in formal talks for something.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> you've probably talked to a few more people than us. Do you know? have any kind of idea what these talks are really for
3: no i mean there's there's a billion different ways that this can unfold and most of them i'm not a huge fan of in all transparency um i i would say that at at our core as people who love the canadian game we love it because it's ours and so we're naturally protected and anytime that we deem there to be any sort of threat to it i think you see this on social media where people get their backs up against a wall and they feel but i think a lot of that comes from the fear of the unknown and not understanding what we're really up against in this position right so if you don't understand something you feel threatened by it and if you feel threatened by it you lash out and you dislike it well if we had more information, then I think we'd be more open to having a conversation that's educated about it. And if we're having an educated conversation, we're no longer scared of it. And if we're no longer scared of it, we don't have to hate it. So that's I, I think all those things are connected in a long chain. But I really do feel like if you're, you're looking at what came out today about the XFL and the CFL. It was... We're excited to be best friends. Okay, that's cool. I'm, I'm super excited that I have best friends too, but I don't tell the whole world that I have a new best friend. Uh, if I have more information on what my best friend and I are going to be doing, then I'm likely to put that information out. They didn't seem to have very much information that either they have or B, that they wanted everybody else to have about what they uh, are actually working on, which that's fine. They're, they're businesses and they're allowed to have their own kind of inner workings, but the idea of announcing something to people and leaving that void of information, I think it was a little bit reckless by everybody involved because I think the CFL knows its fan base well enough to know that if you're going to come out and announce something and leave a void of information that people naturally are going to fill that void of information with their own information. And then it becomes confirmation bias, which is if you don't like the CFL, then you're going to use this as a point of saying, look, it's dead. I told you so. And if you do love the CFL, you're going to come out and say, look, they're doing something to try and expand the game and, and reach new markets on all the rest. But uh, the thing I just can't figure out for the life of me, guys, is is the idea that they have reached out to the XFL or the XFL has reached out to them. Or there's this mutual appreciation society where you've got these two groups finding value in each other because if you are working in the business world, as Randy Ambrose has for a long, long time, you recognize that there is an asset that you want to attain or you realize that there's value in something that you don't have and you'd like to be able to capitalize off of it and maybe you have an asset that they want. I can't figure out, and again, it's just speculation because we don't have any details, but I can't figure out what the asset is from the XFL if it's not financial backing And maybe it's just the fact that they know The Rock and maybe that he relates to younger people and that he seems to feel very passionately about the CFL. So um, trying to figure out what they find of value that they want from us, trying to figure out what we want from them and trying to figure out who gets the better of those two deals and what you have to give up in that deal, be it elements of the Canadian game. That's a that's a difficult negotiation. That's an even tougher conversation. What
1: are you hearing from the, the player side? I, I was reading on Twitter uh, that the players uh, weren't informed of this until this morning.
3: Yeah, I I saw Brian Ramsey's tweet about this kind of clearing up what Shinetti had said earlier in the day that the players were a little bit confused. I'll say this, I had texts from two different players in the CFL last week before any of this came out that said, have you heard anything? And I said, guys, I'm unemployed. Why do you think I've heard anything? I mean, I'm not. it's not like I'm at a CFL football field hanging out and walking around and going, what are you guys, uh, what are you thinking? So I don't have any more information than they do, and uh, yet they're still wondering what's going to happen moving forward. And I do think that there is an opportunity for randy ambrose to do all things i hate the idea of people saying well why is he involving himself in cfl 2.0 when he's got things to deal with here domestically you can do both of them and i know for a fact that he does work on on all of those things that are in front of him but adding the xfl and negotiations with them to the table on top of cfl 2.0 on top of working with the LFA, on top of getting exchange players from Canada to go to other leagues, on top of trying to get your season up during a pandemic, even if you're Superman, man, that seems like a lot to put on your plate. So uh, I'm I'm amazed that this is a decision that they've made to to undertake all of that, because I do think that it, it makes it more difficult to relate to your own players. and The last thing you want is to alienate your players, especially your Canadian players, unless... Moving forward, you're looking at a merger which doesn't involve Canadian players, and even at that point, you're still going to have a CFL Players Association, which is going to make life very difficult on you because they're not exactly going away regardless of what ends up happening. So, um, yeah, I've, I've just heard players from frustration the same as Shinetti has, and I think that that's probably pretty status quo at this point from the top echelons of salary structure all the way to the guys that are first-year rookies coming in. They just want information the same way that fans wanted more information, I think, today about this relationship between the XFL and CFL. Well,
0: yeah, keeping this a little bit lighter in, in your, your travels today, what is the, the most interesting take that, that is a little bit out there off the wall that you've seen on this on, and probably on Twitter?
3: Yeah, I, I think, you know, there are a lot of bad takes on Twitter. I'll say that first and foremost. Uh, the, the ones that I think were my favorite were the CFL needs to jump to the four-down league because the three-down is outdated and they need to advance with the times. That was a weird one uh, because, the yeah, the three-down is older, but it's also significantly more entertaining in my approximation. The other one was Dave Naylor. He said on TSN 1200 today that, uh, you know, players in the United States and the NCAA, even if they're Canadian, they grew up loving four-down football. That's great. I grew up loving the Buffalo Bills and only primarily watching the National Football League. Then I grew up and realized, oh, this is this is pretty cool. We have our own league. We have people that are Canadian that play in this league. And wow, the Canadian players are actually pretty good. This is interesting. And as I got higher up in elementary school, I started to watch some more CFL on CBC on Sunday afternoons. And the Grey Cup was something that a bunch of my friends and their families would gather around and be able to enjoy. And because I liked it, I was aware of it. It kind of grew on me. And over time, I was like, I don't want to play some football. Football is kind of fun. And then I started playing in high school and then I went to university and then we went to Vanier cups and then I went to CFL training camps and then I covered the league. And it was, I understand I live a very privileged life to be able to go through that progression of appreciation when it comes to the CFL. But the idea that just because the CFL isn't necessarily front of mind when you're developing as a football player means is that it's a write-off and that well, four down wins, we should get rid of three that that's crazy to me. And that was essentially what Naylor was saying on TSN radio and auto today. So that was a little off the wall because I don't think it was really all that valid, but um, the one that I think probably took out to me the most that I actually think was a good idea because there's a lot of things here that I I'm very cautiously optimistic about, I think is about as polite as I can put it was uh, Danny Garcia, who's the business partner in the XFL with Dwayne, the rock Johnson, where it was right in front of our face. You guys have probably seen it. She tweeted it out. You know, today's vision was about a Canadian flag and a globe emoji, American flag, Canadian flag, globe emoji, American flag. And when I saw that, I was thinking, okay, we're going to use the XFL and the CFL in a partnership to be able to develop global talent, create roster spots for them in either of those leagues and work together to promote the international game and develop it to the point where we can then enhance television contracts for the XFL and the CFL. I mean, I was, again, just using that as my own little spin off of what they're trying to do, but I'm thinking if you want to get American television dollars to be invested and to have American television networks, which are more readily available in different places, to be able to pull from possibly finding the next superstar, the Yao Mings, if you will, of your league. I mean, Yuta Watanabe from the Toronto Raptors is the most popular player in Japan right now, and all he's done is get crowned by Anthony Edwards from the Minnesota Timberwolves a couple weeks <laughs> ago. So when I look at that, I think to myself, man, if, if you can find a way to tie in the global aspect with these two leagues and monetize it. That's really what Randy Ambrosie was trying to accomplish with CFL 2.0. What if he's using the XFL and their leverage of having that American reach to be able to draw more interest from global leagues over? Again, I'm just making up conspiracy theories off of a very simple tweet. Why? We don't have any information. If I had more information, I wouldn't have to make up my own realities. But because we don't. That's the one that interested me the most because I thought, OK, I don't know what this tweet is foreshadowing in terms of all these flags and emojis. But if that's what that maybe means of, of bringing the global strategy in with the XFL to partner with the CFL, I could get on board with that. I think that could be a really, really big positive if that means that you cost a Canadian a roster spot or two in the CFL instead of merging with the XFL. I am on board because I do not want a merger in any way, shape or form.
0: I like that idea. I really like that idea. Can you just email that over to Ambrosi and tell him to do
3: this? (laughs) Well, I'm sure he's got much smarter people than me working on all of that. But the idea of being able to, because, you know, I'm trying to figure out, I'm reading every Ambrose statement like a crazy person right now. And the idea of him constantly saying, that there are things that they do at a higher level than us that we are trying to essentially leverage. trying to think, man, what could that reach be? Because it's not that they're the XFL. I don't think there's a lot of people growing up in Germany right now that look at the XFL logo and they're like, oh, yeah, the great XFL. But I do think that there's this certain golden shine around the idea of American four-down football where I don't know what has to happen with the rules, the size of the field, the ratio restrictions, otherwise merger, elements of a merger – but, yeah, I mean, if, if you can use the lure of American four-down football to get people to come across and they get put into this development system where they're shared between the XFL and the CFL, if that's all this is, that's a home run. I have a bad feeling that's not all this is, though, which is why I think a lot of us are kind of gritting our teeth a little bit today if you really love the CFL and what it's about. All
0: right, now moving on a little bit to your your new reinvigorated venture that uh, you started the the canadian football perspective back in 2019 and
3: yeah it, it was um it, it was originally like 2016 and it was under the name marshallferguson.com because it, back then i had an ego so i thought i had to have a website that had my name on it just like everybody else but yeah it, it was basically just a place to dump a bunch of nerd information that nobody else wanted to look at for the first uh, couple of years that i had it and then it's It's kind of, uh, as you say, it's been reinvigorated and, uh, you know, it's been given a little bit of lifeblood now. And it's been it's been fun to chip away at for sure.
0: Now, I mean, some of us have started listening to that, but uh, and listening and reading some of the stuff on there. But what are you all encompassing on there? Is it are we looking at, uh, you know, just CFL and some um, uh, youth sports sports? Analysis, or are we just are we talking anywhere Canadian players are?
3: Yeah, I think uh, to begin, I, I it's going to be U Sports and CFL. I think that that's that's the root, that's the base of everything that I want to create is somewhere because I think U Sports football is criminally underappreciated, underexposed. There's way too many good stories. There's way too many amazing people on coaching staffs and on rosters that are working their tail off year round to create uh, something worthy of our attention. And then we just turn our backs on it. And that that's driven me crazy since before I even played university football, even when the television exposure was better with the score and Tim McAuliffe calling games and all the rest is I've always thought this deserves more love and we need to find a way to give it that love. And I think you kind of have to go nonlinear at this point because it's it's a reality that you're just not going to have one of the big networks stepping up and saying, well, let's dump hundreds of thousands of dollars in here, knowing that we're going to take a bloodbath of a loss on this. Uh, That's just not the way that the industry is trending anymore. And so I thought, you know, there's lots of great nonlinear products that have been created in terms of media production that I think have, have done a really good job of promoting underserved communities and underserved amounts of content for specific leagues or sports or whatever it might be. And for me, I look around and I say the U sports people, they do the best they can. The OUA people do the best they can. The content creators for each university do the best they can. But what if we were to centralize a lot of this? And Crown Countdown U, I think, has done a great job with Jim Olin and Mike Hogan over time. Then Gord Randall in on that as well. They've, they've brought some light, I think, to American prospects that are playing in the NCAA, especially down south. But when u Sports seasons are happening, they've done a great job of being able to highlight that. But I, I just feel like if I, if I can count on not enough fingers to fill a full hand, how many people are actively trying to tell the stories, and to promote U-sports football, that needs to change. I mean, this is too big of a country with too many people who care about this stuff to have three or four different entities going, yeah, once in a while we'll tell a story here or there. I'm like, why not build out a network? Why not build out a, you know, a podcast that people can consistently listen to on just U-sports football? Why not create something where we're doing X's and O's breakdowns to highlight the greatness of players that are coming out so that when you have somebody like uh, you know, a Robbie Smith go to your Argonauts there in the draft, out of Laurier, we're not saying, well, he was okay at Laurier, I guess. I don't know anything about him, but he looked like he ran a fast 40. That's the level of knowledge that we're working with when it comes to analysis of guys coming out of top flight programs in youth sports is, well, I looked at his numbers and yep, he's an athlete. Uh, Yeah, I would hope so. He's going to become a professional football player. He better be an athlete, but tell me more than that. And I think we need to be able to tell people more than that. So my goal is to create a structure here that is sustainable that people can rely on as a source for information and that's that's just the useports angle i could go on forever about that but the cfl stuff is derek taylor is an immensely talented analyst and working with him we've always wanted to get together and do something side by side so uh, we wanted to create an audio home for people uh, monday through friday and give them something they can listen to on the podcast consistently know where it is 6 a.m. in your feed for your commute whatever that might be to kind of replace your morning radio because as i say it's a bit of a non-linear property where linear is getting your car every morning and listen to the commercials on on network radio non-linear is we'll just send it right to your phone you can wake up download it get in the car and you're off on your way right so you guys know that from being a podcast it's it's much more accessible it's much more modern and audio digital Uh, I would say properties are expanding more rapidly than radio is at this point in 2021. So if we can combine the love of U sports with the CFL, solid analysis, good breakdowns, uh, well thought out profiles and have a network of people that are very like minded and give that to you in a very easy way to consume, then I feel like we've done our job.
1: It no longer requires you to wake up at four o'clock in the morning.
3: I still do though that's the problem. <laughs> I st- I still wait my fiance wants to kill me because I still now the thing is I don't set an alarm. So that that's actually a huge win for us is that I no longer set an alarm and uh so I don't always wake up right at 4:30 and take the dogs for a walk but I don't know if it's like the the in- imprinting stress of not having a job that I was so used to having for forever or what but I still wake up at sometimes 4:30, sometimes 5:30, never later than 7. Usually somewhere in and around that 6, 6:15 range, and I rattle out of bed and I run downstairs because I feel like I'm behind already in my day, and I just start working on things and piecing it together. The nice thing is that the infrastructure for everything we're doing at CFP, whether it be getting the technology up and running that we can actually make our sounds sound, you know, professional grade, or if it is Uh, getting the website in a way that we want it to look or all the little things that aren't very sexy, they're pretty much taken care of. And now we can actually start to pump out some really good content. And that was my goal right away, but you kind of got to have the legs to be able to make the content run. And uh, we didn't have that at the start. So it's been a month and a bit, but we found some sponsorship too and things like that. And again, I'm running the sponsorship side. I'm making the sales pitches and cold calling people and businesses and all that stuff. So uh it's been uh it's been one of those things where i'm like ah yeah i can sleep in nope not happening <laughs> jump out of bed and go right downstairs and get to work
1: now, speaking of you sports what are you hearing in terms of their what what sort of their plan to play this year Did yeah they... they've
3: got they've got an interesting proposal right now on the table of possibly trying to get Saskatchewan, Calgary, I believe, from Canada West, Montreal and Laval in the RSEQ, and then uh, I believe it's McMaster and Western uh, in the OUA. They've got an idea to be able to get them together in Quebec City and basically play a six-team round-robin tournament over an 11-day stretch, I believe. It was submitted for proposal by Glenn Constantine, and the proposal is for it to happen in, I believe, May. And it's real interesting because you would have essentially guys that are either going back or they've de- you know, deferred their draft year. Maybe they've been drafted and they still want to be involved if they can find their way into a roster to get some reps, not knowing when the CFL season is going to kick off. I mean, there's a lot of things to be ironed out there. But I do know from listening to Jim Mullen in the interview he did with our guys on CFP that he said that they put the proposal in from Glenn Constantine and the Laval Rouge Or and that Football Canada approved it. And so that was a big step. Now, they still have to go through local health authorities in Quebec and all the rest to make sure they're doing it responsibly and that it meets all the protocols in place. And they have to submit those protocols ahead of time. But um, as for the fall, they're planning on having as full a season as they possibly can. Obviously, they're in a much better situation than CFL because they've got that extra leeway leading into the fall when more people percentage wise will be vaccinated than possible. The difficulty there, though, is that a lot of the athletic programs in Canada, they feed off of the student fees. And as we're learning about the vaccine rollout in different places, you're going obviously from the most vulnerable and the oldest all the way down to the least vulnerable and the youngest. Well, university students are typically the least vulnerable and the youngest. And so they are going to be late to be vaccinated. And if they are going to be late to be vaccinated, what's to say that they are still not on campus? If they aren't, they're not staying in residence, and they're not taking classes on campus in the fall of 2021, student fees will not be at the level which they would be otherwise with students on campus and staying in residence. And if there's no student fees, there's a question as to where the funding is going to come from moving forward for certain conferences and certain schools. So uh, the idea of having the return to play in May, I'm intrigued by. Uh, We would cover the hell out of it on CFP. I know that, because it'd be the first U Sports football we've had in forever. Uh, But the idea of Having everything back to normal in the fall, I think that's still a little bit up in the air, and a lot of that depends on how many students can be back on campus.
2: Yeah, full disclosure, Marsh. I've been listening since eleven fifty got got the bullet, <laughs> and it's been part of my commute to and from from Kitchener, Toronto, every day. Uh, well, at least on the All way right. home, I, I listen. To, I listen to you on Mondays with with the A Block. That's an absolutely amazing piece that you do Thank on you. Mondays with the a block. And then on Wednesdays with DT as well was just listening to that today on the way home, listening to the, uh, was the offense. The, was the offensive one that the offensive side, you guys, yeah, we,
3: we did an hour and 45 minutes on offenses and we finished and I finished the recording. I stopped it. And I just said to Derek, I am very sorry. I did not realize that we went that long. Like, we, we got caught in this just tornado of talking fun numbers and stuff. So, for a second there, when you said that you've been listening since 1150 got the bullet, I thought you were going to say you've been listening to Bloomberg News Network. I was going to say, damn, we got replaced <laughs> that quickly, huh? But, uh, <laughs>
2: no, 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 no,
3: no. I still press 1150 on my preset
1: sometimes, and I – oh, I, for, I forgot. They're not on the uh, – it's now Bloomberg.
3: You mean both. I, uh, I I actually turned it on in my car with my fiance and my son the other day and she goes, What are you doing? I said, Getting my stocks news, obviously. What do you want <laughs> you questioning what I'm doing? I need to get updated on the markets. Let's go. I need I need
2: I need those port I need that pork price update. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, no, been, but it's
3: been crazy for sure, but thank you. I appreciate the uh, the praise on that. It's it's been fun to build out a network, you know, I've um, full disclosure, a lot of the ideas that I had on, on how to build this out are kind of pieced together from things that happened in the States, whether it be The Ringer with Bill Simmons and how he built out his network and um, Dan Lebatard and what he's doing right now since they left ESPN. They started up a new media company called Metal Ark Media, and they're trying to figure out how they want to kind of bring together a network of voices that are varied enough to give you something different every day. And I, I just thought it's good to know what you're good at. And for me, that's breaking down the games and talking to people and whatnot, what I did on radio. But it's better to know what you're not good at. And for me, I I think that that's delineating tasks a little bit. I've always been a bit of a control freak on stuff, which is just kind of my nature in the media game. And I've always been don't worry about tracking that game. You know, I'll take the extra two hours. I'll just take care of it myself because I trust myself to do it. But uh, you kind of have to share the wealth a little bit, I think, and give some different voices their love. And I, I hope the CFP can become kind of a developmental platform uh, moving forward for young student journalists, ex football players that want to get involved in media because there's just not enough of those platforms for them to use to have their voice be heard. So uh, like I say, we got some sponsorships and some partnerships that we've signed off on. Some of them haven't been announced as of yet. Uh, I'm very excited to continue to grow it out and we've got some really, really good content and fun stuff planned once we can get football closer to being a reality it's just we got to wait until we can get on the field because the most important thing right now is getting action on the field back out there for us to be able to to break down talk about and share with all of our listeners for sure but i appreciate you being able to listen to it it means a lot it does because it's it's something that without people caring about the game and what it means to a lot of us in canada it's just we we don't exist so i'm very aware of that
2: Yeah, the fact that you got Ben Grant on your staff as well, that's a huge... For Argonaut fans, that's a massive... That's massive. That's massive.
3: He's uh, he's a good dude. He's he's written some great stuff in the last couple of weeks since we signed him on to to have some fun with us. So that guy, he knows his stuff. And like I say, when I mentioned like-minded people, Ben was one of those very quickly where it became apparent. And I even had... Somebody from inside the Argonauts organization who reached out to me and said, you should probably get Ben on there. He might not always be right in our eyes inside the building, but he's doing his research and he cares. And that's more than we can say about a lot of people from other organizations covering their teams locally. So, uh, yeah, he was he was an easy one to talk to. and, uh, And he's been he's been awesome so far. So I hope that Argonauts fans are enjoying being able to get that perspective. I have noticed, though. We have a lot of, of Argo a- stuff that is up on our website, like looking at the actual hey, uh, analysis profile. Sometimes I go through it and it's like there's a picture of Dinwiddie and then Arbuckle and then Dinwiddie again. And then there's the Argos receivers. Oh, look, it's Robert Woodson and then Dinwiddie and then Arbuckle. And then it's I feel like <laughs> at some point we're going to have to take our foot slightly off the gas on Argo stuff. But for right now, it's been awesome. And I hope that people are enjoying it.
2: Hang on, I think Clay's got our ne- – he's talking with our next guest here for – Yeah, we just had Juwan Breskison call in, so we will uh, have to wrap no, this up good. now
0: because we've got get to get to the next one. And, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you what beer you're drinking since uh, you mentioned that off the bat.
3: Yes. Uh, So I will just give a quick plug for you here on the way out is that uh, not officially announced yet, but wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Sawdust City uh, might be having a little bit of uh, fun with them coming up in the near future. So I had an an everyday magic hazy IPA, 6.9% this evening, uh, 45 IBU. It was delicious. It was wonderful. So uh, all the people up there at Sawdust City, Sam Corbet, the head brewmaster doing his thing. It's tasty stuff, man. Lone Pine, I feel like, is one of the best beers going that people don't recognize enough. But I tried this one out tonight first time, and uh, and it hit the spot for sure after a long day talking about the potential of, you know, XFL influence and things of that nature. I felt like I needed a hazy IPA that was a high percentage. So,
0: Well, next time we have you on, we'll have to talk some more uh, craft beer.
3: Yes, I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. All
0: right. Thanks, Marsh. Thanks, Marsh. And that was Marshall Ferguson from the Canadian Football Podcast Canadian Football Perspective, that's it. Canadian Football Perspective, CF Perspective on Twitter and uh,
2: CFPerspective.com. Yeah, because
0: we're,
2: next... yeah, yeah, we're part of this Canadian Football Podcast Network. Yes. And I know that's where you were going with it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, moving to our next guest, we've got Juwan
0: Breskison uh, coming up. So I'm uh, just going to get him on back on the line. We'll get into getting to know our new, well, should have been our new wide receiver last year, but this year, he's our new wide receiver. Juwan, welcome to the Toronto Argonauts, and uh, welcome to the Argos Fancast.
4: Thank you, thank you. It's great to be, first of all, it's great to be on the Argos for a second year, and uh, I'm happy to be on the, the podcast, so... Um, you know, I just—I'm uh, excited to be here. I can't wait to, to suit up in the double blue. Uh, it's been a long time coming.
0: Now, I wanted to ask you: what you you left a, a great organization in Calgary to come to Toronto? Uh, what factored into that decision to to come? Well, essentially, come home.
4: Um. Well, I mean, that that was a big factor there, um, it being home. And um, R.D., who I call Coach Dinwiddie, R.D., he, he was a um, big fan of me from the time I got to Calgary. And he made it clear um, of that my first year and the potential he saw in me. And for me, I've always just appreciated um, somebody that believes in me and is willing to, you know, put me into positions to succeed. So when RD took the coaching job at at Toronto and, you know, I didn't really know what was going to happen with me as far as going back to Calgary, because I had torn my knee that season. Um, You know, once free agency came around and we were able to talk, he, he expressed that he he really wanted me. And it it, it was a while since I've been home. I, I, I left uh, Mississauga when I was 15 years old and I hadn't been back home full time for a long time so I thought it was the right time for me to come home and establish myself in the community
0: well we're we're definitely glad to have you in double blue um and uh you know we're really really excited to have you paired up with uh, with Dinwiddie and and now Arbuckle who you you probably worked with a little bit as well
4: mm mm-hmm. me and uh the, actually, yeah, me and Arbuckle, we, he started a game in 2019 and um, I was coming off of an injury and it was my first game back again, and it was against Toronto. And I think he threw me two touchdowns for like 80 yards. So I felt like that was a good preview of what's to come.
2: Uh, don't remind me about that game.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but But now it's but, coming hey. our way so we can get two touchdowns a game. So you know we're we're talking about 36 touchdowns a year on average I, th- I i think we could be okay with that
4: i i would be okay with that so, <laughs> um yeah let's make it happen
0: <laughs> now the the one thing that uh, that i wanted to ask you like you you um went down to the states uh for 2 years of uh prep school right yes Yep. So before you were at Loyola in Mississauga and you were there really before they had much of a, of their own field. Is that correct?
4: Yeah. We used to practice on this patchy soccer field and we would practice on the baseball diamond and then we would have our home games at Marcelinas.
0: Okay. Cause um, I remember I, I played in the Mississauga football league, Long time ago, and we used to when uh, it got too dark to practice in the evening. We used to practice on those baseball fields right outside. Yeah, of State. I, I
4: played for. I, I was gonna say I played. Um, I played in the MFL as well. I played for the Minnesota Bobcat, and we used to play on a baseball diamond too. So, um, I know what you mean.
0: Yeah, and, and, and I it was it, it was strangely fun playing on that on that uh on that baseball diamond uh (laughs) i don't know why but uh you know it it was it was always fun days out of practice there um so we know you're gonna be lighting up the scoreboard um but you know we've been off for most of the the well been off for the last year and and a bit you've ventured into uh streaming and and e-gaming can you tell yeah. us a little bit about, you know, that? Because, I mean, for me, I don't know that world. My kids are into it. Um, but mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a world that's a little bit foreign to me.
4: Yeah. And, you know, it's actually something that is probably going it, – it hasn't even reached its full potential yet. And I originally got into it – me and Devar Daniels, we originally – um, started streaming at the same time because we were playing video games so much that we were like, you know what, we might as well try and make a profit, um, off of this one day. And, um, my first stream, I just remember like random people coming in and they just wanted to talk. And it was just a place where they could talk to somebody. And I was like, you know what? Like I used to be a journalism major. Like this is something that I could possibly be good at. And I, um, I stuck with it, and then, sure enough, you know, just trying different things and you know, putting feelers out on social media, um, talking about it on interviews. I had an opportunity to sign with um, a team called Parabellum, and they're based out of Toronto, and they signed me as a um, content creator for their esports team. And then I've been able to do charity streams and really do some really cool stuff that kind of fits in with what I wanted to do when I originally came home to, to play in the season because I wanted to like get more involved in the community. Um kind of how, you know, pinball has his name out there and a lot of people know him for that stuff. I kind of wanted to have that similar name. And um you know the Twitch streaming and esports has really allowed me to do that since the CFO got canceled last year. And um it's been something that has been really interesting. I'm still navigating, I'm still building my platform. But um, it's a challenge that I look forward to anytime I turn that camera on, and uh, I just want to, you know, keep that going.
0: Now, you, you recently did a uh, a fundraiser, and uh, I believe you, you surpassed your goal. Can you let us know how that came about?
4: Yeah, so I had originally done a charity event. I organized it by myself um for youth without shelter and the pinball foundation uh i just you know i had an original goal with them to raise a thousand dollars i raised 1500 that first time so um, toronto they usually go and they uh, visit holland Bloorview's, um rehabilitation center and they have an initiative there called uh, kids for capes i'm sorry Capes for kids and um all the money goes towards helping these these kids with disabilities. So um, the Argos have reached out to me and asked me if I'd be interested in doing a charity event on my Twitch and raise money. And our goal was originally um, $1,000. And we had hit $1,500 by the end of the night, and I didn't even stream yet. Um, So, you know, once I finally streamed, we had some giveaways, I streamed for about six hours, we raised, um, I want to say, $2,875 Two thousand eight hundred and seventy-five dollars when our goal was origi- originally um, one thousand, and then we had somebody match the the amount that I raised, so we raised like a total. We raised almost six thousand dollars in like, this forty-eight hours span. Wow. So Ooh. yeah, that was pretty. It was pretty awesome, and I was um, super happy with it. Um, everybody enjoyed themselves. People got some nice Toronto FC gear, Argos. Uh, Raptors, Leaf stuff. So um, I'm just looking forward to the next one. What's your. How, what's your oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead,
2: Doug. I was just going to ask, what's, what's, uh, what's your poison when it comes to streaming there?
4: I'm a, I'm a Call of Duty guy. I play with a lot of CFO guys. I play with um, DeVaris. I play with um, Jordan Reeves, Charleston Hughes, um, Cambry Williams, Alden Darby. Micah Johnson. So um, I I like Call of Duty just because it's fun and I enjoy playing it. So and then I also do, I haven't done one in a while, but I was doing these Mental Monday streams where I just go on and I just talk to people about mental health and, you know, basically like a mental wellness check for the week. And, um, you know, because I feel like everybody's kind of we're going through this stuff together. And just kind of want people to have a space where they don't have to feel alone and um, you know just feel welcome.
2: Cool, that's awesome, man.
1: Yeah, thank you. I'm asking uh, some of the, the players we've had on the stream is during this pandemic, given gyms are closed and I think the team facilities are closed. How, do, how what does one do to keep you know their strength and conditioning up when there's really nowhere to, I suppose work out yeah
4: so luckily for me um my girlfriend she's actually from the united states and she we went to school together at northern illinois she was a gymnast and i obviously played football so she lives in chicago and i'm out here right now um, currently training with devise Daniels. so i actually made the decision to leave um toronto given all the restrictions and everything to come and train just to be ready for the season because I feel like the Canadian athletes um, especially the ones in Ontario are at a disadvantage because they're not able to to train and um, it it really it it was a concern for me because I didn't know and we still don't know when the season's going to start or if it's going to start and I am always someone who likes to be prepared so I didn't want to just show up and be 50 percent going to camp for a board, going to a season and possibly hurt myself when I'm already coming off of a knee injury. So I decided to come out here and get with my trainer out here and get with and and train with DeVaris so we can push each other because, you know, it's kind of hard as an athlete to stay motivated when you don't know what's going on. So we're we're in the gym every day together, making sure that we're holding each other accountable. So, um, yeah, I'm in Chicago currently and um, things are mostly open, so uh, you know I feel like I'm trying to set myself up um, for success as best as possible.
2: How's, how was the weather in the Windy city today?
4: Uh, today I actually started off pretty gray, but then it ended up being a really nice day and yesterday was super nice. I was in a hoodie, so'm I'm, I'm happy with where we're at. <laughs>
0: well we're uh we're all hoping that uh, we can get this this season underway sooner than later so we can get you back up here and and uh scoring touchdowns at Bemo Field. We want to thank you for joining us on the FanCast, and you know hopefully we can uh, have you back again again sometime and um I'd love to hear more about the the, the next big event that you're that you're going to do when that comes about and by all means, let us know, and we will get you on here to uh, to promote that as well.
4: Awesome. Well, I thank you you guys for having me. And um, next time, hopefully, I have even bigger news. So um, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I'm just looking forward to scoring some touchdowns in BMO.
1: Thank you
0: very much, DeVar.
4: Thanks. You must right, thank you.
0: <laughs> he kept mentioning DeVar's <laughs> Daniels so much that I... Uh, yeah.
4: Maybe maybe we should just have us both on next time.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: yeah. We'll get well, yeah, we'll have to get you guys both on then. Thank you very much, Juwan, and
4: uh No problem.
0: You have a great rest of your night.
4: You too. Thanks, Juwan. Thank you.
0: All right. See ya. And that was
2: Juwan Breskison, not DeVaris Daniels. <laughs> Will, you're supposed to be the more intelligent of the three of us when it comes to football. How do you not know that? Well, that was me. That so, was you? Yeah, oh, that shit. was me. Oh. Uh, you're supposed to be the brain. You're really supposed to be the brains of this operation here. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> uh, how, how much have you had to drink today? Uh, Obviously not enough. <laughs> yeah. You need to get a beer See, sponsor. Yeah. Oh. yeah.
1: We probably well, need to give our own opinions of this whole XFL thing, right? I don't think we've really done no, that. No,
0: no, we haven't even gotten to that yeah. point yet.
1: Um, and then we got to do that. Are we going to talk about the power rankings?
0: You know what? I think it's still, we can leave that one out. We've uh, got enough information yeah. in this show, um, and it is still way too early for power rankings. Well, that's, um, that's why it was called the
2: Way Too Early Power Rankings. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but Which they got wrong anyway. <laughs> yes.
1: Hmm.
2: Yeah. Horrible disrespect for Toronto in there. And, um, and Edmonton too, to be perfectly honest.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was surprised to see Edmonton at where they were. I mean, I I don't really know what BC's done to justify that sixth spot.
2: I I mean, I mean just offensively, and I got this from CFP from their Potty earlier when I because I was listening to it on the way home. I mean, you have Trevor Harris, a quarterback, Greg Ellingson, and Darrell Walker as wide yeah. receivers, and James, Wild, Ju- James Wilder Jr. as your running back with a legi- with a good all line, and they got rated seventh. Huh? Well, recency bias, I guess. I don't that's, know. That's that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking a lot of this has re- oh, think of that entire well, I mean there's a reason why it's called the way too early, because they're probably thinking yep. probably put like a hell of a lot of recency bias into it. That's yep. the reason why the Argos were placed eighth.
0: So the XFL and the CFL are talking. Um and we really don't know about what. As Marshall said, there are a million and one different theories out there. Uh we've heard people talk about a merger. Um, I am on board with i hope what uh, what Marshall's thinking is more of a a uh, platform for uh you know bringing in players and things like that what like I was excited when I saw that also
2: nervous and confused <laughs> that's a wave of that's an awful wave of emotion there, <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, The the, (laughs) The fact of the matter is, this league needs to do something to progress, right?
2: Yeah.
1: And what the hell's wrong with exploring anything that could be done to do that?
0: I don't think there's anything wrong with that, no. really.
1: And it, it it reminds me of. No, I don't think any of us really old enough to remember the free trade debate, but I I was but, very young when that happened. The amount of hyperbole going on about this is. Like nothing's been agreed to, and I mean Marshall did. I think he he did raise an interesting point. I think you know. I think I'm, I'm probably paraphrasing what he said here, but in the absence of information, uh, CFL fans are probably more sensitive, if you will, to speculate the
2: worst. <laughs> In, in other words, they're saying, uh, to quote the great Adam Savage, "I I I reject your reality and substitute it with my own." Yeah. Well, there's an awful lot of people who do that in real life, but any that's that's another that's for another time. Right. But this a, is,
1: you know this is the same well this is the same group of fans who complain that April Wine isn't playing every Grey Cup halftime show. Well goddammit, they should be. They should be, but that's a that's a different story.
2: I'm uh, were they I bet they were like me complaining that Rush wasn't playing the twenty twelve halftime show.
1: Oh I was too. It made <laughs> too much sense at the time.
2: Yeah. They they should have got Rush.
1: <laughs> uh, and, uh, maybe Neil didn't want to do like a you know, a short I don't know. But where were, you know, we're getting a little
2: but, we're getting off we're getting off topic again.
1: <laughs> I mean if it sounds like we don't have anything to say, I mean the truth is it's because we don't. You no, know, cuz there's, really, there's nothing to say.
0: We don't know exactly what they're talking about. Yeah. I mean they they came out and said they're going to have conversations about the possibility of
1: doing some uh, possibility of possibly doing something yeah yes
0: you know and you know as as i really think that the only reason that Mm. these things came out these announcements came out today is because somebody threatened to leak something because you know as marshall said there's there's no real reason to come out and say yes we're talking
1: Well, but both sides kind of – I mean, I I guess unless somebody threatened to leak it and they got on the phone with – CFL and XFL got on the phone with each other right away and said, okay, we got to say something. Um, Yeah. But Marshall also made it sound like he knew uh, the inkling of this was last week.
0: Yeah. So, you know, obviously somebody was talking to somebody about something –
2: that you know that is a big mystery <laughs> and should we, call, should we call scooby-doo to find out what the hell's going on here <laughs> and and uh you know if you
0: look at you know dave naylor um has tweeted out that he believes the conversations informally have been happening for months
1: yeah so, <laughs> which leaves, which leaves, which would lead, but that would support the theory that it's people are are going to read into that to say, oh, there must be more that they're not telling us. They may have some justification in that position.
2: Yeah. I mean, when it comes to this, the way I look at it is this: I would rather have a team to support playing a, playing a sport. And I really, like such as gridiron or Canadian football, I really don't care how they play it at this point. I just want to get out there and support the Argos. I really do. And I think, I think you two are in agreement with me on at least that fact that we just want to get out there and support our team.
1: Right. I you mean, feel-
2: I, I mean the CFL's try, trying everything to survive here. So they're just talking with the XFL right now. It doesn't have, it people are automatically assuming oh this is going to lead to a merger. Oh this is going to be the death of Canadian football whatever. Like basically you're talking they're talking about step 55 when we're on step 2.
1: And I mean I'm not I mean we, we we've been debating for months what rule change, you know. I think you, you see that on Twitter a lot. People throw that out there. You know, what what rule would you be willing to to do away with? You know.
2: Oh, Marshall Mello actually have a poll out right now on Twitter.
1: Yeah, and I I, I kind of meant to bring that up with Marshall. I I've selected the one no yard slash rouge, but really I don't I don't mind. Well, I I wouldn't mind getting rid of the rouge per se. Um.
2: Yeah, get rid of the rouge, but keep as much as I love to say rouge.
1: No, I, don't, but I'm certainly not in favor of doing away with no yards because
2: because fair catch the is a
1: crap. Yeah, because the return is what makes was one of the things that makes the CFL so exciting.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't, I for one don't want to
1: see a fair catch. Um, oh, no, I don't, or or that kick through the end zone.
2: Although I don't, yeah. Although I don't think that's part of the XFL rule set.
1: Now I, I'm being off topic here, but does anybody ever witness the no yards call on a kickoff? I does that even expect- happen? No,
0: it it is it is not possible to have a no yards call oh, on a kickoff. Off. Okay. Because everybody is on side at the kick of a ball at the I, kick of yeah. the ball. So the ball is once it passes ten yards, it's automatically fair game for anyone.
4: Hmm.
0: Um, that's true. But I mean, getting back to this, I mean, you know, initially, like I, you know, like, oh, they're talking with the XFL about something, right? My, I didn't, I, my mind didn't go to merger right away. My mind went to, okay, sharing resources and, and ways to, you know, further CFL 2.0, as it were, and that, you know, that's essentially what, you know, Marshall hoped was uh, was where they were going with this um, and, you know, and creating some kind of a, a share. But at the same time, when you start talking about that, you know, I started re- remembering things that I saw earlier in the week that quietly the NFL is actually doing the same thing that the CFL has been trying to do publicly with 2.0 and the nfl went and signed a deal with a new uh football league out of europe that is going to be playing in multiple cities um to use their licensing and uh, and resources and things like that to further their brand um but knowing the nfl is now low-key doing things that the cfl was trying to do at you know volume turn to 11 um means leads me to think that okay the cfl may have been a little bit ahead of the curve with this 2.0 or whatever i i, I hate the idea of i hate calling it 2.0 but you
2: know then, <laughs> we may say no, 2.0 no,
1: was okay. soon enough <laughs> Did the but, CFL actually call it 2.0, or did that somehow take a life of its own from some other source?
0: No, that was actually coming from the mouth of Randy Ambrosi, but I think he was just kind of he was he was was saying something like, "Yo, oh, CFL 2.0, if you would," and then all of a sudden that stuck, ah. and they've actually been using that in some of some of their statements, but like you going into the states to kind of further that initiative that makes a lot of sense to me because you've been going to all these other countries why not go to the states why not like you see you really want to make this global you want to include everybody anywhere that plays football like this so you know it, it kind of okay getting i have no idea where i was going with this but. You know, I got excited and then I started thinking, okay, this is a little bit uneasy. And okay, now I'm a little bit nervous about what this is after hearing some people's thoughts because I don't really like the idea of a merger. But I do think the CFL game may need to change a little bit at least.
1: Stop, um, stop reading Twitter. It's not going to help your anxiety. No. no. I <laughs> but mean, I,
2: very quickly, both sides are starting to entrench themselves. Yeah. You know,
0: I think, you know, what's going to come out of this is eventually some changes to the Canadian rules. But I don't think it's a full-blown dump of everything that made Canadian football, Canadian football.
1: And I, I really football. don't.
0: And... I don't want
2: it to be.
1: I think I think the league knows it can't.
2: So, <laughs> the league's in no position to negotiate. Really.
1: Neither <laughs> is the XFL, though. Nah, he,
2: exactly, neither is the XFL. But the difference is, their resources are a hell of a lot more than ours.
0: And apparently well, the Rock was unavailable for comment. For the first time in his life. <laughs> Which, which is another reason, reason that I, I kind of believe that they put these announcements out there because there was a leak and they figured they wanted to get ahead of it. That's,
2: that, I, that, that makes sense I to me? I know who might have had it.
1: <laughs> Does his name start with J?
2: Yeah. All right, gentlemen, you have
4: three minutes and you better make it good. Three minutes and we out.
2: Uh, back in February 25th, a former guest of ours, Matt Cause, posted an article. The best backdrops for a CFL game. Now, he has put out here. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but he's put uh, Ban- Banff National Park for hmm. for Calgary versus Edmonton. Uh, Churchill-Manitoba for the Banjo Bowl. Uh, Niagara <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Care to explain why you're laughing there, Clay? <laughs>
0: well, I mean Churchill, Manitoba. There's you know only a couple thousand people there, and you got polar bears roaming around. Yeah, you it just—it pol- sounds like people. A, <laughs> it just sounds like a a a, a funny backdrop to me. <laughs>
2: yeah, just <laughs> more more polar bears and people. Uh, let's see, Niagara Falls for for pretty much Argos and TyCats. That would, that I think would be pretty cool. Yeah. But I'm just trying to think where the hell, well, I mean, Marine Land isn't using much of their land. I mean, we could, yeah, they could do it there. Um, you know, the only thing with some of these places is, you know,
0: you, you're probably going to have half the field looking out onto these great la- landmarks. Um, and the other half, you know, you're able, so you're going to see, you're only going to see throwaways in kind of one area Mm.
2: because otherwise you could have lose that ball down, down the, down the falls. Oh, that'd be interesting. (laughs) That'd be interesting. It's like, it's like, let's just say somebody goes for a field goal sails clear out the temp stadium and right into the Niagara river.
1: Rodney Smith will throw it into the (laughs) Niagara river. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, on only
0: on Arbuckle's first touchdown pass.
1: Yes, but, <laughs> of course. Roddy Smith is no longer with the yargos but yeah. Uh,
2: well, well, at least they can get on the horn blower to try and get <laughs> the ball back. That's just, yeah. You know,
1: I, I was gonna if, if, if what was it? If he got a thousand jer- uh, yards season, I was gonna get his jersey, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Won't have to do that anymore. Nope.
0: You know, when you talk, we were talking about the kind of the backdrop in football games played in some interesting places um i i I think he was probably after he had watched the uh the the outdoor game in lake tahoe
2: that's exactly Uh, why he came up with this exactly
0: but the one thing that that came to mind is there is a high school football team in alaska um that their field one side is the inside straight so you know you you have the you have a fence and then you have the shoreline right
2: there
1: now isn't the okay i don't know i was saying okay
2: where is that anchorage
0: uh, no anchorage is I. I, I, I not sure exactly where it was. I just saw it, and I remember seeing Inside Straight, and I'm like, oh yeah, I've been I've been up there before. I just never saw that. That, and I know it's not Juno. I know that for sure, because uh, I've been to Juno, and and I would have noticed a football field, um, budding up right against the where the uh, the cruise ship would drive in. Um, but it's kind of somewhere along that that coastline, I believe. Um, not right out onto the ocean cause you can see land on the other side of it. Mm. So it's, it's, it's right. It's up there somewhere, but yeah. You know what,
1: the, what's this? It's a high school in Alaska.
0: Yeah. I don't know if they still have that or not because, you know, football in Alaska, but, um, mm. yeah, that, that was when you started talking about, it, that was the first thing that popped into my mind. Hmm. That and years ago, uh, Molson Canadian had their Molson Canadian Rocks concert series, and one of them was Metallica.
2: Oh, yes, in I, I remember Rankin that. Rankin Inlet, oh. Metallica was it Rankin Inlet? No, I thought it was, I know they played Tuck to Tuck. Oh, yeah, that's that's it, Tuck to
1: Yuck Tuck.
2: Which is which
0: was in the Northwest Territories at the time, now is in Nineveh.
2: But that, <laughs> you know, those are and honestly, and that was an outdoor concert too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I, yeah, but it was in
0: like July, I think. Yeah. Um, I these the these
2: some of these ideas sound pretty goddamn cool. Hmm. Sad part yeah. is he's got he's actually got a couple of more here too what right, what else do we have uh let's see he's got uh oh, this is because he's a wine snob no the San sandbanks provincial park that's cuz that's cuz he's a wine well as 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 Marsh would call him wine douche <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yeah he wants the, that that would be for toronto and ottawa uh let's see he's got uh, the inner harbor in victoria yep yeah for uh for a bc game uh let's see huh great slave lake in the northwest territories
0: that would be interesting that would be i mean i think the 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 images would be very similar to churchill
2: Mm. but but it would be infinitely more cooler because you would actually have the you would actually well I mean Churchill you probably have some some Northern Lights oh yeah you'd have in great there. but a great slave you're gonna have a lot more <laughs> yep yeah and then let's see what else so he's got uh, oh he's got uh, Twillingate Newfoundland okay all
0: right who's playing there uh let's see. Montreal, Montreal and Montreal and B C B C okay. So he's not including the Atlantic scooters in this. No, he's not.
2: All right. Okay. Yeah, there's some interesting places. Yeah. Then he's Which got. Would be really cool. Yeah. He's also got Quebec City on here, as obviously.
1: Yeah. And there then, appears to be a winery near Twillingate.
2: Every, <laughs> everything's gonna. Everything's gonna have a winery near it. Yeah. I mean, this is this is Matthew Cause we're talking about here. Anything? Yeah, well, you know, Niagara, basically it's though. like, ooh, basically, ooh, winery. Oh, this would be a good. And then it has a couple of sips. It's like, oh, this would be a good place to have a football game. For God's sakes, if we if we were gonna go, if we were gonna basically in my case, if we were gonna go with craft breweries, we could we could have we could have one in Kitchener Waterloo because there's like a, at least a dozen plus Waterloo Brewing. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know what I mean? We could have. I mean if it's just if we're talking crap breweries here, oh, and he's also put Athabasca sand dunes in Saskatchewan as the last one. Don't ask me why
0: well he he had to put something in Saskatchewan, and Probably. so i just I just had to look this up because thinking about Churchill, Manitoba, there is an actual winery there, oh fuck. it's oh, fuck. called Churchill Wild for fuck's sake
2: so this is we more... know at Niagara
1: falls there's wineries galore
2: well yeah I could, uh, it's on the drive-in <laughs> and and you know there's there there's gotta be you know some wine from uh there's got let's see maybe let's see fort providence would they have a winery hey river could possibly have one maybe fort resolution i don't know but the uh, other one Knife maybe too the one place that you said that,
0: you know, okay, I figured, okay, there's no chance of a winery and I had to look it up. Yep, there is uh, there is a winery in Churchill, Manitoba.
1: Ice
2: wine, I hope. <laughs> that's probably all you're going to get. I think that's it. That's a, yeah, that's that's really that's the only it. that's that's really the only thing. I could, let's just end it with that because I really don't have much of anything else. Because that just like every every single like yeah I figured I figured that much that every single city cause picked would have a friggin winery win it of course. Oh, there was well, one then?
1: last thing I wanted to tell people to watch for Chris Schultz. Blue, um, search on YouTube Bruce Holmes. Ricky Foggy. So, the Argos were playing in Ottawa in the last game of the 1990 season. Bruce Holmes was the linebacker for Ottawa, who was known for pushing the envelope sometimes. Foggy takes off, as he's was known to do. Angles towards the sidelines. Bruce Holmes takes him out with a clothesline. And there's Chris Schultz there, grabbing... Bruce Holmes with a tube hand sticking up for his quarterback. <laughs> Foggy says that was the type of guy Chris was.
0: And he really all, he, I, and Chris Schultz being the size he was, he could intimidate a massive linebacker defensive lineman too, so. Oh, Missed that guy. Well, that does it for the Argos fan cast. We want to thank Juwan Breskison and Marshall Ferguson for joining us. Uh, Will, where can they find you?
1: You can find me on Twitter at ArgoFans or at www.argofans.com.
0: And Doug, where can
2: they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Doug, at Doug b 519 Don't mind the Ranger stuff. They just won their 55th title, like I said earlier before. And yeah, I'm going to be posting a lot about them. But you can also find the we uh, can also find our group, the Double Blue Order, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash double blue order, on Twitter at Double Blue Order, and on Instagram at the Double Blue Order. And you can find me, Clay Chisholm, at
0: all kinds of clay, on the Twitter and Instagram machines. And uh, you can find the Argos Fancast at Argo's Fancast on Twitter. And anywhere you're finding your friendly neighborhood podcast, just search Argo's Fancast. And we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. You can find them at CF Pod Network on Twitter and cfpodnetwork.ca on the worldwide interweb. Listen to all kinds of great Canadian football related podcasts from across the country, in the US, and even over in Japan. That does it for the Argos fancast this week. We'll talk to you well when there's another big story to break probably in two weeks.